going to minister to you, and it's a different teaching. It's called this, Equipped and Empowered to Do Life God's Way. Now, I'm going to ask you just a few questions up front, and I don't really want you to answer, but I want you to think about this. Is the Holy Spirit a force? May the force bless you. Or is the Holy Spirit a person? Next, can a person follow Christ and grow in their walk without the help of the Holy Spirit? The answer to that is no, impossible. Who spoke to your heart and said to you, you're a sinner? Your sins separate you from God. You need to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And then ask God to forgive you of your sins. Now, whoever said that to you? Well, learn today. Yes, partly a pastor, but the one that really spoke to you is the Holy Spirit. So we're going to learn a lot about the Holy Spirit today. You see, many people get confused about the Holy Spirit. So I think it'll be very clear for you today. So we're going to learn together. Now, we will be in the book of John. So if you have an uh, iPad or an iPhone, <clears throat> John, you, you want to be bringing your Bibles. And the other book we'll be in is Luke. And the reason we ask you to do that, because many churches today... Basically, they'll skip parts of the Bible because they don't want to talk about it because they don't believe in it. We believe in all the Bible and encourages you to have that Bible. So I'll have a lot of that on the overhead, but just kind of get into the habit of bringing a Bible because that's what we do. We're studying God's Word. Now, without the Holy Spirit in our lives, remember one thing. We will never fulfill God's plans in our life. So let's begin at the beginning of the teaching. Here it is right here. Starting with Adam and Eve in the garden, and all through the Bible, all through the Bible, you guys in Vera Sebastian, welcome, we discover that man was not designed to do life alone. Right at the beginning, God was with Adam and Eve, and that extended all the way through. Jesus lived on the earth, not by himself. He lived on the earth when he came from heaven, and he lived with God because he said this, I only do the things that God directs me. He never lived alone on the earth. Secondly, Jesus also, at the beginning, remember one day he was by the Sea of Galilee, and he saw a couple guys that were fishermen, and he says, follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. In other words, I'm going to teach you how to share the gospel. And then later, he went to his father, and he says, Father, I need more disciples. Who should I choose? And God did that. So Jesus did life with God, and he then did, for three years, life with all those disciples. So here's the key. Jesus' disciples and Christ followers are to do life by following Jesus. Why? Because Jesus promises, 
I will never leave you. If you are a person that's doing life alone, and I'm not talking about no friends or thing, but nothing spiritual, no God, no Jesus, none of those things, then you're in trouble. That's not how you were designed. We were always designed to do life with God. And there's three parts of God that we're going to learn today. Now, notice this. We learned last weekend that Jesus was getting ready, basically, to design and build the first New Testament church, and it would start in the city of Jerusalem. And the way that worked was this. Take a look. John 20, 21. And again, Jesus said, he was with his disciples after he'd gone to the cross, been resurrected, spent 40 days meeting with them. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, we talked about this last week, I am sending you. So this is basically the picture of what we learned last week. When Jesus came to the earth, the Father sent him here to accomplish what needed to be done. Remember, when Jesus came, he came for lots of reasons, but basically to go to the cross and die for our sins. But he also came to show the disciples and the people on the earth what God was like, because nobody had ever seen the Father, God. He was in heaven. So Jesus would say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So he came. So he came. Now, everything is finished for Jesus. He went to the cross. It is finished. Why he came? Everyone can become a Christian. Your sins can be forgiven. All of the sins have been forgiven. So the next thing is, in a moment, you'll see more. He's going right back to heaven. And two weeks ago, three weeks ago, remember we said, what is Jesus doing in heaven right now? I gave you eight things that Jesus is doing for us right now. By the way, one of the major things Jesus is doing for us right now, and I want to hear an amen from this, he's praying for every Christian every day. I need Jesus praying for me. How about you? Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. So Jesus is going to leave me. And then basically, notice this. As the Father sent the Son, Jesus says, so the Son sends believers into the world. So what did I tell you? It's you. I am a Christ follower. So are you. Now, look at this next picture. This is what we did last week. Jesus passes the baton, and I'll share you the ministry, to every Christian. Because one Christian can't do it. All the followers of Christ for all those years. Now, when you see that, what did he really say to Jesus? What did, what did he really say? What is our role? Well, here's it pretty simply. Take a look. Stay on mission, Luke 19, 10. Seek and save the lost. Share the gospel to everyone. By the way, look at this because this is what you and I are supposed to do. <clears throat> Obey the Great Commission. Be a disciple and make disciples. Continue to be like Jesus, to think like Jesus, to have the character of Jesus, and to minister like Jesus. And the big one we'll learn about today is this, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, our role model, shared those with us that apart from the Holy Spirit, he knew himself. He would have never fulfilled the role God had for him if he wasn't filled with the Spirit. He 
absolutely knew that, and I'll show you why. So Jesus also knew this, that the disciples would also need to be, and this is you, basically equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit to do God's way, do life God's way like Jesus did. Now, one of the major roles of the Holy Spirit is to produce a Christ-like character in us. We can't do it by ourselves. So God comes. Only the Holy Spirit gives us the power to make the changes that God wants. Now, when I mentioned the word Holy Spirit, some of you, you understand that. Lots of people today do not understand the Holy Spirit at all. And sometimes you say, oh, yes, I have, Pastor Mark. I watch that television. Those people are rolling around on the floor and whatever. Well, I love that Holy Spirit. No, I don't love that Holy Spirit. Does your church do that? No, we don't do that, but we cleaned all the carpets just in case you needed to do that. If you're new, I'm joking. Relax. We're not crazy. Now, <clears throat> the real truth is this. Most people... Even Christians, Christians that have been Christians for a long time, they don't understand the role of the Holy Spirit. They just don't understand the role. So that's what we're teaching today. The real truth is, if you don't understand the role of the Holy Spirit, you will never fulfill what God wants you to do. Impossible. Because that's the person we do life with. Now, this Holy Spirit, you understand this is very easy. God is a trinity of persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When you see that, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Before the earth was created, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were involved in the creation of the world right from the start. And it's never changed. The Trinity has always been there. Now, when you see that, that, that trinity, the Holy Spirit, is a divine person. He is God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So he is the third person, take a look, of the trinity. He is fully God, and he shares all the same attributes of God. And the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are equal in all ways. Well, not one above the other. They're equal in all ways. Now, if Jesus would come down here this morning, and I wasn't teaching, what do you think Jesus would start with from a scripture to teach you about the Holy Spirit? Well, this is the one that I pick. Acts 10, 38. How God, key word, anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Now, here's a part, if you're not familiar with the Holy Spirit in, in a little bit of depth, you need to get your thinking cap on because it will be very clear to you, but you maybe have never heard the truth of what this is. R.A. Torrey, a great, great man talking about the things of the Spirit right out of the Bible, he says this, Jesus obtained power for his divine works because he had power. 
healing, teaching, so forth. Not by his inherent divinity, but his anointing through the Holy Spirit. He was subject to the same conditions of power as other men. In other words, when Jesus came, and I'll, t- I'll get you there in a moment. Remember, God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit are all the same. Omnipotent, meaning they have power, basically, to do anything. Also, omnipresent. They can be anywhere at the same time. That's just who they are. And last, omniscient. In other words, they know everything about the past, present, and future. Jesus is God. He's part of the Trinity. And he came to earth as fully God and fully man. Now, he came to earth as fully God and fully man. We never can understand that. But what happened when he came, he set apart the divine part, the God part. And what you see from Jesus, Jesus operated as a man with the Holy Spirit empowering him. Do you get it? Not as a God. He could have, but he didn't. He, he was a man like us, except for one thing, he never sinned. Hello. But he was man. But he didn't use that power as God. He used the power of the Holy Spirit. And you'll see how that works. So does that encourage you? It should. Because we can do the same thing because we're just humans. Now, when you see that, it's very clear what's going to happen. Why would Jesus do that? Think about this. You say, well, did he really give up the God part? Yes, he did. Listen to this. Jesus could only be in one place at one time. Jesus would say, only the Father knows. I don't know. Remember, when is the building going to come down? When is the temple going to come down? You have to ask the Father. Only the Father knows. How about this? Jesus limited his divine power and drew his power for one reason, by being filled with the Holy Spirit. Why would Jesus do that? God designed that so when we see Jesus, maybe this is the first time you've ever heard it, he operated as a man empowered by the Holy Spirit. That means it's an example for you and me. I can be a man, but I can be empowered and equipped by the Holy Spirit who lives in me. Now, when you see that, let's turn to Luke 3, 21. In your Bibles, I'll read it if you don't have a Bible today. When all the people were being baptized, now this is baptized in water, Jesus was baptized too. You guys at Vieira and Sebastian in the balcony there. And as he was praying, heaven opened up. Now, I'm going to talk to you in a moment. John the Baptist's cousin was baptizing people in the Jordan. You're going to see that. Listen to the next verse. And the Holy Spirit descended on him, Jesus, in bodily form like a dove. And you'll see what that picture looks like. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well Please. So take a picture right here. This is just an example of what it would look like. Here is a couple things to learn. In the front is John the Baptist. John the Baptist. He's baptizing people for uh, the sin and so forth. Of course, Jesus doesn't have any sin. He just went there to be a role model. Now, this part, this part of the Jordan River 
When we go to Israel, we go here, but we don't baptize in this area. It's way, way, way to the south, and the water is maybe not in those days, but the water today is not clean. So we baptize in a different place that's much farther north all the time. But there he is. So there's Jesus. He's been baptized in water, already under, as you can see. And the next thing, what's above his head? It's a dove. Notice what I just read to you. Let me read it to you again. And the Holy Spirit descended on him. Say it with me. On him. The real word is upon him. So it's going to go here, and you'll see it when we get to the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8. It comes upon him. And when that happened, we see the Trinity right here. There's Jesus. The dove is the Holy Spirit. And who spoke from heaven? God. There's your Trinity. People say, well, we don't believe in the Trinity. Hello. There it is. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So that empowering was by the Holy Spirit. That would begin everything in Jesus' life. Now, God sent the Holy Spirit because he knew Jesus would need to be baptized and equipped for the ministry. This is right at the beginning, before he's even started any ministry. Before he started any God knew he had to be baptized and equipped. Now... Let me read for you so you'll see that it wasn't just basically out of the Bible somewhere. It's very specific. John 1.32. John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus, declared, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained on him. Another proof that that's exactly what happened. So here's the first key. Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit. We need to imitate him. He is our role model. Now, God did this because he knew the work of the Holy Spirit in and upon Jesus was absolutely necessary. That word I told you, upon, in the Greek is api. You'll hear that all the way through the teaching this weekend and the next weekend. Upon. It's very important. Now, how do I know that he needed the power of the Holy Spirit? Well, because of this. When you see what was happening in him, he's about 30 years old. And at this point, when he gets water baptized, first thing he really does, and then filled with the Spirit, there is no biblical record anywhere in the Bible of any miracles, any healing, any deliverance until after Jesus is baptized with the Spirit. Nothing. He had to have the Holy Spirit to do the ministry God wanted him to do. So again, it's just as clear as could be. So here's something some of you know, but some of you never know. This is truth. So everything Jesus did while he was here on the earth for three, three and a half years was done through the power of the Holy Spirit. Not because he was God, but a man filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. That empowering of Jesus extended from that day all the way through the end of Jesus' ministry. Thousands of people were changed. Hundreds of people were healed. All kinds of demons were thrown out. That whole time of Jesus was done supernaturally 
because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Luke chapter 4, verse 1, says this, right after being baptized. Jesus, two key words that you'll see right there, full, full, filled of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, where he'd been water baptized, and was, key word, led by the Holy Spirit. Two key words, full of the Spirit, led by the Spirit. Now, that's point number two. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It means controlled by the Spirit. It means, as you'll see in a moment, basically under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So we're to imitate him. Now, being full of the Spirit, we'll talk more about that later. Paul talks about it in Ephesians, basically, chapter 5, verse 18. He says, keep on being filled. And you'll understand as we move through that why I need to keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'll use a word today. It'll be funky for you, but you'll see later. Because sometimes with the Holy Spirit, we leak. And I'll tell you what we leak to. And you'll see that very close. Now, under the influence means basically controlled by. It means to have an effect upon us, to shape us. To regulate us. Now, Pastor Mark, why would you say we leak? Well, here it is. Christ followers are either being controlled by the Spirit or we allow our old sin nature to control our lives. The moment you became a Christian, the moment I became a Christian, my spirit was 100% pure. All my sins were gone. The real you, the real me. The problem was... We are a body, soul, and spirit. Some of you say, well, Pastor Mark, when I get saved, can I lose 50 pounds of my body? Is that part of salvation? No. That's part of Weight Watchers. (laughs) Well, how about if my spirit's fine, what's wrong with the rest of me? We have an old sin nature in us. It's called the Balmer thing. Use your own name, please. How many have ever said this in your life? I'll never do it again, God. Come on, raise your hand, or you're lying right now. Of course why. What is that? That's my old nature. So we have to find it. So if I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm leaking. I'm filled with Mark Balmer. Just call my wife. No, please don't do that. Uh, We struggle with the old flesh. And so that's why we have to keep being filled. And the Holy Spirit has a great role in that. Now, when you see that, the second one was this. Where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. So when he was leaving, the Holy Spirit came to him and led him to the desert to be tempted by Satan for 40 days. And he said, at the end of those days, he was hungry. No kidding. 40 days. Number three, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. Imitate him. As soon as the Spirit came on Jesus, he submitted to the Spirit. Now, he probably didn't understand initially, why am you taking me into Satan to be tempted? Well, because it was a role for us. Being filled with the Spirit allows us to be led by the Spirit. One of the greatest things being when you're filled with the Spirit is that we can be led. In fact, Romans 8 says it like this. Christ followers are led by the Spirit. 
There's nothing more important in our lives today than to be led by the Holy Spirit because he has divine power. He knows what's ahead. He knows what decisions we need. And so that's why we don't do life alone. We need God to help us to make decisions of life. Now, Jesus was there. He was a spirit-filled human, but he defeated, defeated Satan by the same way you and I defeat Satan. When Jesus was there, he didn't say to him, I'm God, you're dead. What he did was, uh, Satan, the word says no. He knew the Bible. He quoted the word of God to him and included the power of God, and he defeated Satan and walked away free of sin and never giving in to temptation. Why? That's how we do it, the word of God. Now, verse 14. And Jesus returned in Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through all the countryside. Remember when Jesus was there, people were getting healed everywhere, all kinds of things were happening. His teaching, people would say, never heard a guy teach like that before. That's amazing. Well, here's what happened. Jesus then was ministering in the power of the Spirit. When he returned in the power of the Spirit, his power was seen in teaching, because they'd never heard it like that before, and all these people getting healed. They never saw that. They go, what's happened there? Well, this, he's now filled with the Spirit. He can do everything God wanted. Before filled with the Spirit? No, just a man. So you see the difference. During the next three years, Jesus' disciples followed him. And they would learn how that worked and what the importance of the Holy Spirit was. They, every day those disciples followed Jesus, they were dependent on Jesus. Every day. When they'd get up in the morning, he would lead them. Here's where we're going. For three years, here's where we're going. He would comfort them. He would correct them. Who do you think the number one person Jesus would correct? You got it right. Pete, Peter's the name. That's it. And he, then he helped them to learn how to minister to people. And then I just wrote it like this because I thought I summarized the verses because I think it shows you what happened. Now, remember, every day the disciples get up and go, where's Jesus going? Okay, we're going to follow him. That's why we call ourselves Christ followers. Here it is. Then one day Jesus told them he's going back, going to the cross, and after he's resurrected, he's going back to heaven. This shocked the disciples. How will they do life now since Jesus would no longer be with them? So these 12 disciples are thinking, uh, okay, three years, every single day, this is our routine. We follow Jesus. He's leaving? What are we going to do? We're in trouble. Remember we told you God never designed people to be alone. You do things with people. Well, they were doing life with Jesus. He's gone. He's going back. And they're going, well, we're not, well, how's this going to work out? We're going to be left alone. You're just leaving us out here. Thanks a lot. And they were struggling. Let me read to you John chapter 14. Jesus gave them an answer. Here's his answer. And I will ask the Father, Jesus speaking, God the Father, and he will give you another counselor, another comforter, to be with you forever. Now, how long is Jesus going to be with his disciples? How long? Three years. Am I right? Three years. Now he's leaving. How long is this new counselor, comforter, going to be with people? 
forever. Is there a difference? Hello. So what he's saying is, by the way, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. We could use a little spirit of truth in every television news thing, our Congress, everybody else lying like mad. We have the spirit of truth. Hallelujah. Say amen. You'll never hear the Holy Spirit lie to you. By the way, he's the author of this. It's all true. Now think about that. It's all true. Jesus is very similar. He's the way. He's the truth. And he's the life. That's it. So Jesus says, what are you worried about? I got this covered. And he says this. The world cannot accept the Holy Spirit because they don't see him. They don't know him. Uh, Watch me. But Jesus says, you know him for he lives with you. That word means basically basically kind of near you. And then it says this, he will be this new person in you. And here's the last thing Jesus says to make him feel good. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. But that means he will come to you through the Holy Spirit. So here's what happened. Remember we talked about Jesus passed the baton to us. God started, passed it to him. Here's a picture. Jesus is leaving for heaven, and the hands of the baton go to the Holy Spirit. So here's the transfer. Jesus is going to be gone, and everything he does is going to be happening through the Holy Spirit. Now, is that a weakness? No, because it's a trinity. They're all equal. They all have the same giftings. They have all the same power. So that's exactly what happens. Jesus says, you will not be alone. You will have the Holy Spirit with you, and then I'll explain that in a moment, and living in you forever. Now, in fact, that word another is an interesting word in the, in the original language. And no, I don't know Greek, and I don't play with Greek and Hebrew and all that. I'm not smart. But I, I, I kind of give you the thing. The word is alos, which means another of the same kind. Now, what would that mean? He's going to be part of the Trinity. He's got to be God. And that's exactly what he is. So the Holy Spirit is God. And here's something that most Christians don't understand. And a person, he's a person we can relate to, commune with, and know personally just like they did Jesus. The disciples knew him. They communicated with him. They related to him. They knew him personally. That's exactly the rule we're supposed to have with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus talked about three relationships, every single Christ follower, every single caller, Christ follower from 2,000 years ago right on, basically uh, can have with the Holy Spirit. So let me just read that verse again, John 14, 17. But you know him, for he lives with you, that means para, alongside, and will be in you, in you. So here's relationship number one. I'll explain it. And this is for every person. Convicted by the Spirit. 
para, with, alongside. Now, what that means is, the Bible in John 8, 16, 8 says this, when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. So before salvation, the Holy Spirit is with us. He is alongside us, convicting us of our own sin and the lack of being right with God. And if we don't get right with God, the judgment will come at our death and we will never make heaven. So the goal of the Holy Spirit, when you see that, convicted is one thing. To bring the sinner to Jesus for salvation and begin a lifelong personal relationship with the new believer. God wants every single sinner to accept Jesus. So what does it mean when I said back here, he's going to be alongside of us. Let's just picture how this happened. Most of us don't realize this. I didn't when I was younger, but I do now. It's very clear to me. Just picture yourself sitting here in the service. When you became a Christian for the very first time when you heard the gospel or somebody presented it to you, Who was really talking to you? Well, if you're in a church, it was a pastor talking to you, just like I do when I do an altar call at the end, or a friend. And you said, well, I I like your lifestyle. How can I have that? And he would share the gospel with you. But the person that's with you is really the Holy Spirit. See, he's saying to you, he said to me, You are a sinner. You're separated from God. And I have a solution for you. His name is Jesus Christ. That's the Holy Spirit speaking. See, he's explaining. Now, most of us never realize you thought it was me or Billy Graham speaking to you. Well, we are, but the one that's really speaking to you is the Spirit because he's alongside of you in your spirit. And he's saying... It's time to take the solution. The solution is Jesus Christ. He's paid for all your sins. You can have your life changed starting right now. Now, see, that's why I tell you all the time, we're not 1,300 and some people come to Christ. That is not about me. Yes, I preach the word, but that's the Holy Spirit. He's alongside us. He's alongside us, but he doesn't stay alongside us. There's another role. And this is the big one. But that's how conviction works. First step, he convicts us. He's alongside of us telling us, hmm, remember, he's all-knowing. So he knows us inside. Oh, I'm not a sinner. You better shut up lying to the Holy Spirit because he knows everything. He can start naming them right now. You don't want to hear that? I don't want to hear that. So that's the way it works. So now think about what's next, okay? You ready? Now, basically, the moment, the moment of salvation The Holy Spirit does something else. Take a look at verse 17. And you will be in. He will be in you. So what does that mean? At the moment of salvation, here's relationship number two. Indwelt by the Holy Spirit. At the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit has been speaking to your mind. Now he moves in to your body and your life, and he sets up his new home, and he sets up the home permanently. He's going to live in you at, as a permanent resident. 
So when the Holy Spirit promised he would never leave us, the Holy Spirit was the fulfillment of that promise. When the Holy Spirit, is, a person is born again and they're converted, the Holy Spirit comes instantly in them. And what does he do when he comes this? So tell me right now, when you became a Christian and you asked God to forgive you of your sins and you're working it through, where is the Holy Spirit after you accepted Christ? Where is he? Show me where he is. Uh, you have a hand. Show me where he is. He lives in here. We are now the what? The body of Christ. This is where he lives. How long is he going to be there? Well, till he can't pay the rent anymore. <laughs> of course not. He's there forever. What is he doing? Listen, it's an inward work to make us more like Christ. Next week, maybe even the week after, I'm going to give you 10 to 20 things the Holy Spirit does in us. Most of us don't understand what he's doing. He's a person. And when you see that, he moves from alongside, and he moves right in. And we have God living in us, and we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, watch what happens here. He begins in the inward work conforming us what the Bible tells us to do, to be like Jesus. Now watch this. You've seen this last week. John 20, 21. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. He's talking to his disciples, Vera, Sebastian, you guys in the balcony. He says this, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. This is a little weird. But here's what happened. This passage is after the death of Jesus, his burial and resurrection. See, before Jesus went to the cross, there was no, no basically permanent solution for sin. The Jews had to kill animals. Now when Jesus went to the cross, everybody could be forgiven because the sins were already paid for. So what this is, look at, I wrote it for you. Jesus had now paid for all the sins of the world. So Jesus meets with his disciples and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Why? Because their sins were now forgiven, and their body wasn't filled with sin. They were forgiven. The Holy Spirit could move into a place where the Spirit was right with God. That was their conversion. That was the first time. Yes, they believed in Jesus for the three years, but they weren't sinless. Here, that sin took place. Now, what happened? That experience, the Holy Spirit came to live in them forever as well, taking the place of Jesus. The Holy Spirit now lives in the Jesus disciples, but there's going to be more. Next week, because I'm making it short, because I don't want to keep you here long, next week I'm going to just say this to you. There's a third relationship that the Holy Spirit has with us, and you'll learn that. It's an essential one. It's absolutely necessary for us, and we will see what that looks like next week. Now, remember one thing. When we left last week, we were telling you that Jesus is basically a part of his church. And that just means not a building. It's you and I, and we're meeting together. And he's going to be a part of that. And here's what I want you to understand. A church, which is a living organism, a body of believers, that's you and me, any church that's serving God, reading the Bible, believing that, will carry out the purposes of God on the earth. So the Holy Spirit is directly connected to the church and the Great Commission. Because you'll see next week, Jesus says, don't leave Jerusalem till you go to the upper room and are filled 
with the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts is filled with spirit-filled churches. And that's what makes us different in the world. It isn't a dead religion. It's churches, people that are filled with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is directly connected to the church and the Great Commission. Now I'm going to ask you to do one thing very quickly. And we'll move right past this. In a moment, I'm going to ask everybody that's watching me online, around the United States. I get people all the time from different countries that are watching right now. Good morning to you. God bless you. Uh, guys in the balcony here, Vieira campus, whatever. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to give an altar call. And I want you in your seats just to pray and say, Holy Spirit, speak to the people. Speak to the people that need to come to salvation. And I'll direct you. Some, some of you here probably need a recommitment to the Lord. You walked away. Some of you, this is the first time you ever heard that you could be saved and your sins could be totally gone. Well, that's what God did on the cross for us. So I want you, as part of our church family, those that are watching, they'll realize. I, now, understand what happens. When, when we teach the Bible... Holy Spirit moves right in because he's the spirit of what? Truth. And you will know if the Spirit's speaking to you. I guarantee you this. Some of you who are going to watch people from China and all kinds of places all over the place. We get it from all over the place. You've never seen me before, but you know somehow somebody's speaking to your spirit. Now, that's going to be new to you, but it's God. You don't have to be afraid because he's the spirit of truth. And what he's saying to you is that guy is telling me the right thing. I need to accept Jesus Christ. So when you feel that, do it. Obey God. And all these people at all of our campuses are just going to take a minute or two to bow their head and pray that the Holy Spirit will speak to them and they will say yes to Jesus. So let's bow our heads right now. Father, all of us came to you because you came to us first. And you told us we needed to be changed. We needed to have our sins removed. And I just pray right now, God, that I know there's people that believe in God, but they don't have a personal relationship with you. And they're trying to direct their own life. And they've been doing it alone for a long time. And it simply doesn't work. That's why God sent the Holy Spirit, who speaks to unbelievers, causing them to see the truth that Jesus died for their sins and that God wants everybody in heaven forever. All you need to do this morning, if you feel that from God, nobody will ever force you. It's between you and God. If you know he's spoken to you and you aren't listening to this teaching by accident, that's God. He's opened doors so you could hear him. So I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. And if you're ready to change or make a recommitment, just pray this prayer quietly wherever you are in the world. Even if you watch this three days from now, it doesn't matter because all of our teachings are online. Just pray this quietly. Jesus, I know I am a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I do believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I sense someone speaking to my spirit. Well, today you learned 
That's God the Holy Spirit. Because he loves you. And all he's saying to you is this. Pray it like this. Father, I'm sorry for my sins. I ask you to forgive me my sins. And I know my Savior is Jesus. And I want to accept him and the gift of the Holy Spirit to come and live in me. I I want to be born again. I want my life to follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Today, thank you for that gift. Thank you for a brand new start that I couldn't do by myself. But now I'm going to follow Jesus to the end of my life. And I know that I will end in heaven because of your grace and your mercy. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. to you, and it's a different teaching. It's called this, Equipped and Empowered to Do Life God's Way. Now, I'm going to ask you just a few questions up front, and I don't really want you to answer, but I want you to think about this. Is the Holy Spirit a force? May the force bless you. (laughs) Or is the Holy Spirit... A person. Next. Can a person follow Christ and grow in their walk without the help of the Holy Spirit? The answer to that is no. Impossible. Who spoke to your heart and said to you, you're a sinner. Your sins separate you from God. You need to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And then ask God to forgive you of your sins. Now, whoever said that to you? Well, learn today. Yes, partly a pastor, but the one that really spoke to you is the Holy Spirit. So we're going to learn a lot about the Holy Spirit today. You see... Many people get confused about the Holy Spirit. So I think it'll be very clear for you today. So we're going to learn together. Now, we will be in the book of John. So if you have an uh, iPad or an iPhone, John, you, you want to be bringing your Bibles. And the other book we'll be in is Luke. And the reason we ask you to do that, because many churches today... Basically, they'll skip parts of the Bible because they don't want to talk about it because they don't believe in it. We believe in all the Bible and encourages you to have that Bible. So I'll have a lot of that on the overhead, but just kind of get into the habit of bringing a Bible because that's what we do. We're studying God's Word. Now, without the Holy Spirit in our lives, remember one thing. We will never fulfill God's plans in our lives. 
So let's begin at the beginning of the teaching. Here it is right here. Starting with Adam and Eve in the garden, and all through the Bible, all through the Bible, you guys in VR, Sebastian, welcome, we discover that man was not designed to do life alone. Right at the beginning, God was with Adam and Eve. And that extended all the way through. Jesus lived on the earth, not by himself. He lived on the earth when he came from heaven. And he lived with God because he said this, I only do the things that God directs me. He never lived alone on the earth. Secondly, Jesus also, at the beginning, remember one day he was by the Sea of Galilee, and he saw a couple guys that were fishermen, and he says, follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. In other words, I'm going to teach you how to share the gospel. And then later, he went to his father, and he says, Father, I need more disciples. Who should I choose? And God did that. So Jesus did life with God, and he then did, for three years, life with all those disciples. So here's the key. Jesus' disciples and Christ followers are to do life by following Jesus. Why? Because Jesus promises, I will never leave you. If you are a person that's doing life alone, and I'm not talking about no friends or thing, but nothing spiritual, no God, no Jesus, none of those things, then you're in trouble. That's not how you were designed. We were always designed to do life with God. And there's three parts of God that we're going to learn today. Now, notice this. We learned last weekend that Jesus was getting ready, basically, to design and build the first New Testament church, and it would start in the city of Jerusalem. And the way that worked was this. Take a look, John 20, 21. And again, Jesus said, he was with his disciples after he'd gone to the cross, been resurrected, spent 40 days meeting with them. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, we talked about this last week, I am sending you. So this is basically the picture of what we learned last week. When Jesus came to the earth, the Father sent him here to accomplish what needed to be done. Remember, when Jesus came, he came for lots of reasons, but basically to go to the cross and die for our sins. But he also came to show the disciples and the people on the earth what God was like, because nobody had ever seen the Father, God. He was in heaven. So Jesus would say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So he came. So he came. Now, everything is finished for Jesus. He went to the cross. It is finished. Why he came? Everyone can become a Christian. Your sins can be forgiven. All of the sins have been forgiven. So the next thing is, in a moment, you'll see more. He's going right back to heaven. And two weeks ago, three weeks ago, remember we said, what is Jesus doing in heaven right now? 
I gave you eight things that Jesus is doing for us right now. By the way, one of the major things Jesus is doing for us right now, and I want to hear an amen from this, he's praying for every Christian every day. I need Jesus praying for me. How about you? Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. So Jesus is going to leave me. And then basically, notice this. As the Father sent the Son, Jesus says, so the Son sends believers into the world. So what did I tell you? It's you. I am a Christ follower. So are you. Now look at this next picture. This is what we did last week. Jesus passes the baton, and I'll share you the ministry, to every Christian. Because one Christian can't do it. All the followers of Christ for all those years. Now, when you see that, what did he really say to Jesus? What did, what did he really say? What is our role? Well, here's it pretty simply. Take a look. Stay on mission, Luke 19, 10. Seek and save the lost. Share the gospel to everyone. By the way, look at this because this is what you and I are supposed to do. <clears throat> Obey the Great Commission. Be a disciple and make disciples. Continue to be like Jesus, to think like Jesus, to have the character of Jesus, and to minister like Jesus. And the big one we'll learn about today is this, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, our role model, shared those with us that apart from the Holy Spirit, he knew himself. He would have never fulfilled the role God had for him if he wasn't filled with the Spirit. He absolutely knew that, and I'll show you why. So Jesus also knew this, that the disciples would also need to be, and this is you, basically equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit to do God's way, do life God's way like Jesus did. Now, one of the major roles of the Holy Spirit is to produce a Christ-like character in us. We can't do it by ourselves. So God comes. Only the Holy Spirit gives us the power to make the changes that God wants. Now, when I mentioned the word Holy Spirit, some of you, you understand that. Lots of people today do not understand the Holy Spirit at all. And sometimes you say, oh, yes, I have, Pastor Mark. I watch that television. Those people are rolling around on the floor and whatever. Well, I love that Holy Spirit. No, I don't love that Holy Spirit. Does your church do that? No, we don't do that, but we cleaned all the carpets just in case you needed to do that. <laughs> if you're new, I'm joking. Relax. We're not crazy. Now, <clears throat> the real truth is this. Most people, even Christians... Christians that have been Christians for a long time, they don't understand the role of the Holy Spirit. They just don't understand the role. So that's what we're teaching today. The real truth is, if you don't understand the role of the Holy Spirit, you will never fulfill what God wants you to do. Impossible. Because that's the person we do life with. Now, this Holy Spirit, you understand this is very easy. God is a trinity of persons. The Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When you see that, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, before the earth <clears throat> was created, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were involved in the creation 
of the world right from the start. And it's never changed. The Trinity has always been there. Now, when you see that, that, that Trinity, the Holy Spirit is a divine person. He is God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So he is the third person, take a look, of the Trinity. He is fully God, and he shares all the same attributes of God. And the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are equal in all ways. Well, not one above the other. They're equal in all ways. Now, if Jesus would come down here this morning, and I wasn't teaching, what do you think Jesus would start with from a scripture to teach you about the Holy Spirit? Well, this is the one that I pick. Acts 10, 38. How God, key word, anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Now, here's a part, if you're not familiar with the Holy Spirit in in a little bit of depth, you need to get your thinking cap on because it will be very clear to you, but you maybe have never heard the truth of what this is. R.A. Torrey, a great, great man talking about the things of the Spirit right out of the Bible, he says this, Jesus obtained power for his divine works because he had power, healing, teaching, so forth, not by his inherent divinity, but his anointing through the Holy Spirit. He was subject to the same conditions of power as other men. In other words, when Jesus came, and I'll, t- I'll get you there in a moment. Remember, God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit are all the same, omnipotent, meaning they have power, basically, to do anything. Also, omnipresent. They can be anywhere at the same time. That's just who they are. And last, omniscient. In other words, they know everything about the past, present, and future. Jesus is God. He's part of the Trinity. And he came to earth as fully God and fully man. Now, he came to earth as fully God and fully man. We never can understand that. But what happened when he came, he set apart the divine part, the God part. And what you see from Jesus, Jesus operated as a man with the Holy Spirit empowering him. Do you get it? Not as a God. He could have, but he didn't. He, he was a man like us, except for one thing, he never sinned. Hello. But he was man. But he didn't use that power as God. He used the power of the Holy Spirit. And you'll see how that works. So does that encourage you? It should. Because we can do the same thing because we're just humans. Now, when you see that, it's very clear what's going to happen. Why would Jesus do that? Think about this. You say, well, did he really give up the God part? Yes, he did. Listen to this. Jesus could only be in one place at one time. Jesus would say, only the Father knows. I don't know. Remember, when is the building going to come down? When is the temple going to come down? You have to ask the Father. Only the Father knows. How about this? Jesus limited his divine power and drew his power from one reason, by being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Why would Jesus do that? God designed that so when we see Jesus, maybe this is the first time you've ever heard it, he operated as a man empowered by the Holy Spirit. That means it's an example for you and me. I can be a man, but I can be empowered and equipped by the Holy Spirit who lives in me. Now, when you see that, let's turn to Luke 3, 21. In your Bibles, I'll read it if you don't have a Bible today. When all the people were being baptized, now this is baptized in water, Jesus was baptized too. You guys at Vieira and Sebastian in the balcony there. And as he was praying, heaven opened up. Now, I'm going to talk to you in a moment. John the Baptist's cousin was baptizing people in the Jordan. You're going to see that. Listen to the next verse. And the Holy Spirit descended on him, Jesus, in bodily form like a dove. And you'll see what that picture looks like. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well Please, so take a picture right here. This is just an example of what it would look like. Here is a couple things to learn. In the front is John the the Baptist. He's baptizing people for uh, the sin and so forth. Of course, Jesus doesn't have any sin. He just went there to be a role model. Now, this this part of the Jordan River, when we go to Israel, we go here, but we don't baptize in this area. It's way, way, way to the south, and the water is maybe not in those days, but the water today is not clean. So we baptize in a different place that's much farther north all the time. But there he is. So there's Jesus. He's been baptized in water, already under, as you can see. And the next thing, what's above his head? It's a dove. Notice what I just read to you. Let me read it to you again. And the Holy Spirit descended on him. Say it with me. On him. The real word is upon him. So it's going to go here, and you'll see it when we get to the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8. It comes upon him. And when that happened, we see the Trinity right here. There's Jesus. The dove is the Holy Spirit. And who spoke from heaven? God. There's your Trinity. People say, well, we don't believe in the Trinity. Hello. There it is. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So that empowering was by the Holy Spirit. That would begin everything in Jesus' life. Now, God sent the Holy Spirit because he knew Jesus would need to be baptized and equipped for the ministry. This is right at the beginning, before he's even started any ministry. Before he started any ministry. God knew he had to be baptized and equipped. Now... Let me read for you so you'll see that it wasn't just basically out of the Bible somewhere. It's very specific. John 1.32. John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus, declared, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained on him. Another proof that that's exactly what happened. So here's the first key. Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit. We need to imitate him. He is our role model. Now, God did this because he knew the work of the Holy Spirit in and upon Jesus was absolutely necessary. 
That word I told you, upon, in the Greek, is api. You'll hear that all the way through the teaching this weekend and next weekend. Upon. It's very important. Now, how do I know that he needed the power of the Holy Spirit? Well, because of this. When you see what was happening in him, he's about 30 years old. And at this point, when he gets water baptized, first thing he really does, and then filled with the Spirit, there is no biblical record anywhere in the Bible of any miracles, any healing, any deliverance until after Jesus is baptized with the Spirit. Nothing. He had to have the Holy Spirit to do the ministry God wanted him to do. So again, it's just as clear as could be. So here's something some of you know, but some of you never know. This is truth. So everything Jesus did while he was here on the earth for three, three and a half years was done through the power of the Holy Spirit. Not because he was God, but a man filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. That empowering of Jesus extended from that day all the way through the end of Jesus' ministry. Thousands of people were changed. Hundreds of people were healed. All kinds of demons were thrown out. That whole time of Jesus was done supernaturally because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Luke chapter 4, verse 1, says this, right after being baptized. Jesus, two key words that you'll see right there, full, full, filled of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, where he'd been water baptized, and was, key word, led by the Holy Spirit. Two key words, full of the Spirit, led by the Spirit. Now, <clears throat> that's point number two. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It means controlled by the Spirit. It means, as you'll see in a moment, basically under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So we're to imitate him. Now, being full of the Spirit, we'll talk more about that later. Paul talks about it in Ephesians, basically, chapter 5, verse 18. He says, keep on being filled. And you'll understand as we move through that why I need to keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'll use a word today, it'll be funky for you, but you'll see later. Because sometimes with the Holy Spirit, we leak. And I'll tell you what we leak to, and you'll see that very close. Now, under the influence means basically controlled by. It means to have an effect upon us, to shape us, to regulate us. Now, Pastor Mark, why would you say we leak? Well, here it is. Christ followers are either being controlled by the Spirit or we allow our old sin nature to control our lives. The moment you became a Christian, the moment I became a Christian, my spirit was 100% pure. All my sins were gone. The real you, the real me. The problem was, we are a body, soul, and spirit. Some of you say, well, Pastor Mark, when I get saved, can I lose 50 pounds of my body? Is that part of salvation? No. As part of Weight Watchers. <laughs> well, how about if my spirit's fine, what's wrong with the rest of me? We have an old sin nature in us. It's called the Balmer thing. Use your own name, please. How many have ever said this in your life? 
I'll never do it again, God. Come on, raise your hand, or you're lying right now. Of course you are. What is that? That's my old nature. So we have to find it. So if I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm leaking. I'm filled with Mark Balmer. Just call my wife. No, please don't do that. Uh, We struggle with the old flesh. And so that's why we have to keep being filled. And the Holy Spirit has a great role in that. Now, when you see that, the second one was this. Where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. So when he was leaving, the Holy Spirit came to him and led him to the desert to be tempted by Satan for 40 days. And he said, at the end of those days, he was hungry. No kidding. 40 days. Number three, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. Imitate him. As soon as the Spirit came on Jesus, he submitted to the Spirit. Now, he probably didn't understand initially, why am you taking me into Satan to be tempted? Well, because it was a role for us. Being filled with the Spirit allows us to be led by the Spirit. One of the greatest things being when you're filled with the Spirit is that we can be led. In fact, Romans 8 says it like this. Christ followers are led by the Spirit. There's nothing more important in our lives today than to be led by the Holy Spirit because he has divine power. He knows what's ahead. He knows what decisions we need. And so that's why we don't do life alone. We need God to help us to make decisions of life. Now, Jesus was there. He was a spirit-filled human, but he defeated, defeated Satan by the same way you and I defeat Satan. When Jesus was there, he didn't say to him, I'm God, you're dead. What he did was, uh, Satan, the word says no. He knew the Bible. He quoted the word of God to him and included the power of God, and he defeated Satan and walked away free of sin and never giving in to temptation. Why? That's how we do it, the word of God. Now, verse 14. And Jesus returned in Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread through all the countryside. Remember when Jesus was there, people were getting healed everywhere. All kinds of things were happening. His teaching, people would say, never heard a guy teach like that before. That's amazing. Well, here's what happened. Jesus then was ministering in the power of the Spirit. When he returned in the power of the Spirit, his power was seen in teaching, because they'd never heard it like that before, and all these people getting healed. They never saw that. They go, what's happened there? Well, this, he's now filled with the Spirit. He can do everything God wanted. Before filled with the Spirit? No, just a man. So you see the difference. During the next three years, Jesus' disciples followed him, and they would learn how that worked and what the importance of the Holy Spirit was. They, every day those disciples followed Jesus, they were dependent on Jesus. Every day. When they'd get up in the morning... He would lead them. Here's where we're going. For three years, here's where we're going. He would comfort them. He would correct them. Who do you think the number one person Jesus would correct? You got it right. Peter's the name. That's it. And then he helped them to learn how to minister to people. And then I just wrote it like this because I thought I summarized the verses because I think it shows you what happened. Now, remember, every day the disciples get up and go, 
Where's Jesus going? Okay, we're going to follow him. That's why we call ourselves Christ followers. Here it is. Then one day, Jesus told them, he's going back, going to the cross, and after he's resurrected, he's going back to heaven. This shocked the disciples. How will they do life now since Jesus would no longer be with them? So these 12 disciples are thinking, uh, okay, three years, every single day, this is our routine. We follow Jesus. He's leaving. What are we going to do? We're in trouble. Remember we told you God never designed people to be alone. You do things with people. Well, they were doing life with Jesus. He's gone. He's going back. And they're going, well, we're not, well, how's this going to work out? We're going to be left alone. You're just leaving us out here. Thanks a lot. And they were struggling. Let me read to you John chapter 14. Jesus gave them an answer. Here's his answer. And I will ask the Father, Jesus speaking, God the Father, and he will give you another counselor, another comforter, to be with you forever. Now, how long is Jesus going to be with his disciples? How long? Three years. Am I right? Three years. Now he's leaving. How long is this new counselor, comforter, going to be with people? Forever. Is there a difference? Hello. So what he's saying is, by the way, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. We could use a little spirit of truth in every television news thing, our Congress, everybody else lying like mad. We have the spirit of truth. Hallelujah. Say amen. You'll never hear the Holy Spirit lie to you. By the way, he's the author of this. It's all true. Now think about that. It's all true. Jesus is very similar. He's the way. He's the truth. And he's the life. That's it. So Jesus says, what are you worried about? I got this covered. And he says this. The world cannot accept the Holy Spirit because they don't see him. They don't know him. Uh, Watch me. But Jesus says, you know him for he lives with you. That word means basically basically kind of near you. And then it says this, he will be this new person in you. And here's the last thing Jesus says to make him feel good. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. But that means he will come to you through the Holy Spirit. So here's what happened. Remember we talked about Jesus passed the baton to us. God started, passed it to him. Here's a picture. Jesus was leaving for heaven, and the hands of the baton go to the Holy Spirit. So here's the transfer. Jesus is going to be gone, and everything he does is going to be happening through the Holy Spirit. Now, is that a weakness? No, because it's a trinity. They're all equal. They all have the same giftings. They have all the same power. So that's exactly what happens. Jesus says, you will not be alone. You will have the Holy Spirit with you, and then I'll explain that in a moment, and living in you forever. Now, 
in fact, that word another is an interesting word in the, in the original language. And no, I don't know Greek and I don't play with Greek and Hebrew and all that. I'm not smart. But I, I, I kind of give you the thing. The word is alos, which means another of the same kind. Now, what would that mean? He's going to be part of the Trinity. He's got to be God. And that's exactly what he is. So the Holy Spirit is God. And here's something that most Christians don't understand. And a person, he's a person we can relate to, commune with, and know personally just like they did Jesus. The disciples knew him. They communicated with him. They related to him. They knew him personally. That's exactly the role we're supposed to have with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus talked about three relationships, every single Christ follower, every single caller, Christ follower from 2,000 years ago right on, basically uh, can have with the Holy Spirit. So let me just read that verse again, John 14, 17. But you know him, for he lives with you, that means para, alongside, and will be in you, in you. So here's relationship number one. I'll explain it. And this is for every person. Convicted by the Spirit. Para. With. Alongside. Now, what that means is, the Bible in John 8, 16, 8 says this. When he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. So before salvation, the Holy Spirit is with us. He is alongside us, convicting us of our own sin and the lack of being right with God. And if we don't get right with God, the judgment will come at our death and we will never make heaven. So the goal of the Holy Spirit, when you see that, convicted is one thing. To bring the sinner to Jesus for salvation and begin a lifelong personal relationship with the new believer. God wants every single sinner to accept Jesus. So what does it mean when I said back here, he's going to be alongside of us. Let's just picture how this happened. Most of us don't realize this. I didn't when I was younger, but I do now. It's very clear to me. Just picture yourself sitting here in the service. When you became a Christian for the very first time when you heard the gospel or somebody presented it to you, who was really talking to you? Well, if you're in a church, it was a pastor talking to you, just like I do when I do an altar call at the end, or a friend. And you said, well, I, I like your lifestyle. How can I have that? And he would share the gospel with you. But the person that's with you is really the Holy Spirit. See, he's saying to you, he said to me, you are a sinner. You're separated from God. And I have a solution for you. His name is Jesus Christ. That's the Holy Spirit speaking. See, he's explaining this. Now, most of us never realize you thought it was me or Billy Graham speaking to you. Well, we are, but the one that's really speaking to you is the Spirit because he's alongside of you in your spirit. And he's saying, it's time to take the solution. The solution 
is Jesus Christ. He's paid for all your sins. You can have your life changed starting right now. Now, see, that's why I tell you all the time, we're not 1,300 and some people come to Christ. That is not about me. Yes, I preach the word, but that's the Holy Spirit. He's alongside us. He alongside us, but he doesn't stay alongside us. There's another role, and this is the big one. But that's how conviction works. First step, he convicts us. He's alongside of us, telling us, hmm. Remember, he's all-knowing, so he knows us inside. Oh, I'm not a sinner. You better shut up lying to the Holy Spirit because he knows everything. He can start naming them right now. You don't want to hear that? I don't want to hear that. So that's the way it works. So now think about what's next, okay? You ready? Now, basically, the moment, the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit does something else. Take a look at verse 17. And you will be in. He will be in you. So what does that mean? At the moment of salvation, here's relationship number two. Indwelt by the Holy Spirit. At the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit has been speaking to your mind. Now he moves in to your body and your life. And he sets up his new home. And he sets up the home permanently. He's going to live in you at, as a permanent resident. So when the Holy Spirit promised he would never leave us, the Holy Spirit was the fulfillment of that promise. When the Holy Spirit, is, a person is born again and they're converted, the Holy Spirit comes instantly in them. And what does he do when he comes in? So tell me right now, when you became a Christian and you asked God to forgive you of your sins and you're working it through, where is the Holy Spirit after you accepted Christ? Where is he? Show me where he is. Uh, you have a hand. Show me where he is. He lives in here. We are now the what? The body of Christ. This is where he lives. How long is he going to be there? Well, till he can't pay the rent anymore. <laughs> of course not. He's there forever. What is he doing? Listen, it's an inward work to make us more like Christ. Next week, maybe even the week after, I'm going to give you 10 to 20 things the Holy Spirit does in us. Most of us don't understand what he's doing. He's a person. And when you see that, he moves from alongside, and he moves right in. And we have God living in us, and we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, watch what happens here. He begins in the inward work conforming us what the Bible tells us to do, to be like God. Jesus. Now watch this. You've seen this last week. John 20, 21. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. He's talking to his disciples, Vera, Sebastian, you guys in the balcony. He says this, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. This is a little weird, but here's what happened. This passage is after the death of Jesus, his burial and resurrection. See, before Jesus went to the cross, there was no, no basically permanent solution for sin. The Jews had to kill animals. Now, when Jesus went to the cross, everybody could be forgiven because the sins were already paid for. So what this is, look at, I wrote it for you. Jesus had now paid for all the sins of the world. So Jesus meets with his disciples and says, Receive the Holy Spirit. Why? Because 
Their sins were now forgiven. And their body wasn't filled with sin. They were forgiven. The Holy Spirit could move into a place where the Spirit was right with God. That was their conversion. That was the first time. Yes, they believed in Jesus for the three years. But they weren't sinless. Here, that sin took place. Now, what happened? That experience, the Holy Spirit came to live in them forever as well, taking the place of Jesus. The Holy Spirit now lives in the Jesus disciples, but there's going to be more. Next week, because I'm making it short, because I don't want to keep you here long, next week I'm going to just say this to you. There's a third relationship that the Holy Spirit has with us, and you'll learn that. It's an essential one. It's absolutely necessary for us, and we will see what that looks like next week. Now, remember one thing. When we left last week, we were telling you that Jesus is basically a part of his church. And that just means not a building. It's you and I, and we're meeting together. And he's going to be a part of that. And here's what I want you to understand. A church, which is a living organism, a body of believers, that's you and me, any church that's serving God, reading the Bible, believing that, will carry out the purposes of God on the earth. So the Holy Spirit is directly connected to the church and the Great Commission. Because you'll see next week, Jesus says, don't leave Jerusalem till you go to the upper room and are filled with the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts is filled with spirit-filled churches. And that's what makes us different in the world. It isn't a dead religion. It's churches, people that are filled with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is directly connected to the church and the Great Commission. Now I'm going to ask you to do one thing very quickly, and we'll move right past this. In a moment, I'm going to ask everybody that's watching me online, around the United States. I get people all the time from different countries that are watching right now. Good morning to you. God bless you. Uh, Guys in the balcony here, Vieira campus, whatever. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Uh, I'm going to give an altar call. And I want you in your seats just to pray and say, Holy Spirit, speak to the people, speak to the people that need to come to salvation. And I'll direct you. Some some of you here probably need a recommitment to the Lord. You walked away. Some of you, this is the first time you ever heard that you could be saved and your sins could be totally gone. Well, that's what God did on the cross for us. So I want you... As part of our church family, those that are watching, they'll realize. I, now, understand what happens. When, when we t- teach the Bible, Holy Spirit moves right in because he's the spirit of what? Truth. And you will know if the Spirit's speaking to you. I guarantee you this. Some of you who are going to watch people from China and all kinds of places all over the place. We get it from all over the place. You've never seen me before, but you know somehow somebody's speaking to your spirit. Now, that's going to be new to you, but it's God. You don't have to be afraid because he's the spirit of truth. And what he's saying to you is, that guy is telling me the right thing. I need to accept Jesus Christ. So when you feel that, do it. Obey God. And all these people at all of our campuses are just going to take a minute or two to bow their head and pray that the Holy Spirit will speak to them, and they will say yes to Jesus. So let's bow our heads right now. Father, all of us came to you because you came to us first.
And you told us we needed to be changed. We needed to have our sins removed. And I just pray right now, God, that I know there's people that believe in God, but they don't have a personal relationship with you. And they're trying to direct their own life. And they've been doing it alone for a long time. And it simply doesn't work. That's why God sent the Holy Spirit, who speaks to unbelievers, causing them to see the truth that Jesus died for their sins and that God wants everybody in heaven forever. All you need to do this morning, if you feel that from God, nobody will ever force you. It's between you and God. If you know he's spoken to you and you aren't listening to this teaching by accident, that's God. He's opened doors so you could hear him. So I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. And if you're ready to change or make a recommitment, just pray this prayer quietly wherever you are in the world. Even if you watch this three days from now, it doesn't matter because all of our teachings are online. Just pray this quietly. Jesus, I know I am a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I do believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I sense someone speaking to my spirit. Well, today you learned that's God, the Holy Spirit, because he loves you. And all he's saying to you is this. Pray it like this. Father, I'm sorry for my sins. I ask you to forgive me my sins. And I know my Savior is Jesus, and I want to accept him and the gift of the Holy Spirit to come and live in me. I, I want to be born again. I want my life to follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Today, thank you for that gift. Thank you for a brand new start that I couldn't do by myself. But now I'm going to follow Jesus to the end of my life. And I know that I will end in heaven because of your grace and your mercy. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.